0: starting at verse 7 11 jesus says if you had known me you would have known my father also and from now on you know him and have seen him philip said to him philip said to jesus lord show us the father and it is sufficient for us have i been with you so long and yet you have not known me philip he who has seen me has seen the father so how can you say show us the father do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The work the words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, that I believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Father, I pray that we would see, Lord, just the things that you are telling them back then and understand the reality of them today, that the meaning hasn't changed. I pray, Father, that through your word, we would truly see you for who you are, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What we've been looking at in this section of Scripture, really, in John chapter 13, and it's kind of bled into John chapter 14, is a series of contrasts. We've seen the contrast in the first two verses of chapter 13, The previous chapter, when we saw a heart, we saw a heart that the Lord had for his apostles, that he loved them, he loved them to the end. We also see how the devil had entered into Judas's heart to betray the Lord. We saw this contrast of darkness and glory. When the supper was over, we saw Judas as he was headed out into darkness, but we also saw that the Lord, through the cross, was preparing to head into glory. We then saw a contrast. Judas and Peter one was the betrayer Peter was the denier and we saw well, well what's the difference what what makes one the son of, of perdition and one who is used in a mighty way and we saw that it was the heart and then we saw as we entered into John chapter 14 we saw the contrast of glory and trouble In verse 1 let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me And in verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And so we saw the confidence that we ought to have with that assurance that we have through Jesus Christ, not what we have done, but what God has done for us. It's Christ that goes to prepare a place for us and then receives us unto himself. And so just as they back then were about to see Christ upon the cross, something that was going to be very troubling to see because they've cast their lot with Jesus. Jesus told them, come follow me. And they came and they followed him. They gave up of everything. And then to see him crucified upon the cross, it seems like just as it has begun, it is now over. But Jesus says, it's not by a long shot. Let not your hearts be troubled because I have a great future for you. I have a place for you and where I am. There you will be also. It's the same promise that we have today. Look at the state of our nation. Look at the upheaval that it's in. If you're just dependent upon for your peace and protection, this country, this nation, don't get me wrong, I love our nation, but if that's all it is, it seems like everything's falling apart and going to pieces. Every day it's a new riot, it's a new protest, and you see the news agencies and all the things that they have to say. And it can be very unsettling, but Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Because just as surely as he has gone to prepare a place for them, he's gone to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now that word you, to me, it leaves it open-ended. He didn't say I go to prepare a place for my apostles. It's for us all. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me that's the confidence that i have regardless of what's going on that i can still depend upon god's word that i can see the reality of it and the truthfulness of it as it plays out we're told that times are going to get worse even what we're seeing right now is just a birth pang of some of the cataclysmic events that we see in the book of revelation and we see a lot of these things going on across the world as we studied the book of ezekiel as we studied the book of Isaiah in the past couple of years, we've seen how some of those things that are prophesied are evenly really coming about even right now. And so it's not so far-fetched that, well, any time, any time could be the coming of the Lord. And just as I asked the church, I don't remember if I asked it Sunday morning or Sunday evening, for you as a born-again believer, Jesus is coming, is it in a minute? You know, I'll get to it when I can. Or is it imminent? that it could happen at any moment. And so we see these things, and because of these things, our hearts ought not to be troubled, because our hearts are hidden in Christ. And now we're looking at another contrast, and we're looking at the contrast, not so much a contrast, but really a comparison, between the Father and the Son. Now keep it in mind, what John's purpose is in his gospel, it's to display Jesus Christ as God. Now, speaking to the Jewish mind here, now the Father, the Father would be Yahweh of the Old Testament. And so we've got now Jesus Christ who is being presented as the Son. Well, really, when we see Jesus Christ, we need to look at him as Messiah, because that's how the Jews are comprehending him. So who is Messiah? Well, again, John is showing that Messiah is, in fact, God. And so we're we're getting this, we're getting this lesson and this comparison of Christ, or maybe I should just say a un veiling of really who christ is because it's important to know again the night before this is just hours before his crucifixion that upon that cross wasn't just another man there are plenty of prophets that have been killed in the old testament put to death and 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 stoned and 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 sawed in half in just so many different ways that he's not just another one of those this is the promised messiah and the promised messiah is lord god almighty it's not because of that that we know that he has the power to truly save and to forgive sins. That they would look back later on, as Jesus said they would, and they would gain understanding in the things that he had told them because, and we'll get into this at the end of the chapter and go through for a couple of chapters, he's going to send the Holy Spirit that gives them understanding. Well, we have the Holy Spirit, so we've got an advantage. We can hear the words that Christ spoke and we can gain the understanding through the Holy Spirit. And so Philip had just heard the words of the Lord, and the Lord said he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him. And now we see Philip, verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. He wants to see the Father. And again, in his mind, he's wanting to see Yahweh of the Old Testament. And really, what, he desires to see is what man desires to see all along god has placed eternity within our hearts we're told through the holy spirit that we understand it's what the holy spirit convicts us of sin righteousness and judgment an unsafe place sin but righteousness the existence of god all of humanity is well aware whether they want to admit it or not that there is a god Now, there's so many different ways to seek out God. There's only one way that you're going to find God, but so many ways that man has taken to seek out God. Man has looked to nature to seek out God. It's why man's looking to God, looking for God, and looking to nature and seeing the things that happen. He's understanding that there is some sort of powerful being behind it, but not recognizing God because he doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ or the Word of God. And so we'll call God Mother Nature in this particular case. But Romans, Paul addressed it in Romans chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, it says, professing to be wise. They've looked into all the detail. We even have the microscope and the telescope today. And we're looking and we're trying to explain all these things under the context of Mother Earth rather than Lord God of the universe. But professing to be wise, they have become fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So man, in his search from God, looks to nature. But what does he end up doing? He ends up worshiping nature rather than seeing through creation and seeing our holy God. Then man, he'll look up into the heavens. But unfortunately, as he's looked up into the heavens, the heavens have become a god. You look at even, I think they still have a newspaper. Does anybody still get a newspaper here? Okay, I... There's probably not too many, but um, the horoscope. Now, the horoscope, when I was young, we'd look at the horoscope and kind of laugh and all of that. But it's really a demonic thing when you think about it. And when I say demonic, the reason I say demonic is because it's taken our focus off of God. And really, what have we done? We've taken these attributes of God and we've put them into the stars because the stars are going today, the day I was born and how the stars were arrayed or just based upon the date of my birth even today be seemingly these stars they have a will for my life they have a direction for my life and they'll even tell me the future of my life supposedly because again man understands these things and knows that there is that will there because the holy spirit convicts them of these things but for the purpose of not recognizing the true god that is we develop these false gods and we so look back in the days of rome and the days of greece and their false gods but we've got them here today as well they appear in your newspaper whoever's newspaper whoever gets them every day i'm sure you can even find it on the internet man tries to see god in his fellow man but unfortunately he even makes his fellow man into god we're going to have a high worship sunday this sunday it's called the super bowl um now i'm not saying bad about the super bowl i was on vacation last year and i watched the super bowl it was the first time in about 15 years i'm not saying anything bad about that but it is when it spirals out of control or I think isn't um, February Academy Award, you know, and we we idolize these people. I'm not saying again the church, but just mankind, he idolizes these people. And we see the imperfection in them and how they conduct their lives. But really there's no difference here between us and what we do with our movie stars or athletes and based upon what the Greeks and the Romans did with their gods. All of their gods were immoral beings that did some pretty disgusting things. If you look at Greek mythology, Well, it's the same thing with the gods of today are, are doing, the human gods of today. They're very immoral people. And so we see once again that man is searching for God, and we're able to give him God. We're able to give God through the word of God that they would find a right relationship and come to the Father through Jesus Christ. And it's an awesome opportunity that we have to be able to be used in that way. Now, Philip, the Holy Spirit had yet to come. He's had the best teaching for the last three years of his life. He heard directly from the mouth of the Lord, but still he wasn't going to have total and complete understanding until the sending of the Holy Spirit. But we do know that the only way to truly see the Father is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, John started out his gospel that way. In John chapter 1, verse 18, he says, No one has seen God at any time. That's a profound statement, because I could go back in the Old Testament and look at plenty of times when man had seen God, but the idea here is nobody has seen the Father at any time. So when we are looking back at a theophany, a revelation of God in the Old Testament, who is it that we're seeing? We're seeing Jesus Christ. And so when we see the angel of the Lord... Joshua as the angel of the Lord appeared to him or the commander of the Lord's army appeared to him. That's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses, when he's speaking to God, that's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's why Christ is referred to as the word God's means of how he communicates with mankind. So much more than that, but here it says again, no one has seen God at any time. Now, the only time that God was displayed apart from Christ was just as all men could observe was the glory of god such as when the temple i'm sorry the tabernacle and the temple was being dedicated the glory of god and they just knew that god was there moses asked god that he would reveal himself he wanted to see him but god what did he have to do he had to take him he had to set him upon the rock matter of fact he had even in exodus 33 in the cleft of the rock he had to be encompassed by the rock and the picture there's very rich but we have to be in christ before we can see the glory of god But it's through Christ that mankind sees God. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, who has come forth from the Father, He has declared Him. When it says declared Him, He has provided detailed information. How is this done? Well, in the Gospel, we see it done through the miracles and through the words and through this process of salvation that has come about And then again, the sending of the Holy Spirit that lends truth to it all. Remember again, Jesus is giving essential instruction to the church on the night before he is going to be crucified. He's now seeking to provoke them to discussion. So again, verse six, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him seen him philip said to him lord show us the father and it is sufficient for us and so you hear a statement like this just put yourself in their place kind of things that are going on are are bigger than they can comprehend with the crucifixion you know jesus said the one who i dip my bread is the one who's going to betray me and it didn't seem like they really got that judas and They still didn't really understand. He he was going out into outer darkness. They thought he was going to go give money to the poor or whatever it might be. And so you really want to understand these words. And so Philip, in his confusion, is trying to understand what Christ is saying. And so what he asked for, he seems like he's got a prime opportunity. When he says, Lord, show us the Father, he's asking for a theophany. He's asking for a physical, visible manifestation of God. Well, that's why Jesus says, you got one you have one sitting right here before you remember john and first john chapter one verses one through three again this is he john is saying i touched him I, I i heard his words directly i mean think of somebody being able to say that concerning god i heard his words i i, I touched him i i lived every day of my life for the most part for three years in his presence I was there at the Last Supper. I had my head upon his chest, and I looked up into his eyes. John could say, I was the one who s- stood there at the foot of the cross, and I saw the crucified Lord right before me. He saw the visible manifestation of the love that God had for all of humanity right there before him. And as I've said so many times, it's the reason why John would refer to himself as the one whom Jesus loved because the love of Christ as he stood at the foot of the cross so overwhelmed him. I would imagine it was just so personal that there is just no other way that he could love anybody to the degree that he had loved John. Can you imagine having that testimony as you walked on this earth? This is why in John's life, but in all of their lives, they were willing to give all for the glory of the Lord. What are you willing to give? Because you've got something better you've got the more sure word of god when peter said i saw him in in first peter i saw him i i saw him in his, his glorified state but then he went on to say but you have the more sure word of god and so based upon what john saw the rest of the apostles as well when they came to this understanding they were willing to give of their lives Are we willing to give of our lives? They were willing to die, but are you willing to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing to live in your home, to stand strong on these things in order to see your kids grow up in the way that they should go? My kids are the most imperfect kids in the world because I've experienced every imperfection of their lives. But the one thing that I saw, my wife and I, and this is by the grace of God, we were dedicated to giving them the word of God and keeping them in church, and I see when they go off, off in a wrong direction, when, when hardship gets a hold of them, they always go back to the Lord and to the church. And so I have to be of the mindset, time is of the essence. These things are important. These things are essential. We see again, our society, it's going upside down. Again, think of the apostles. Everything's going upside down on them with the Lord leaving people are after them. The religious leaders are seeking to kill Jesus, and if they kill Jesus, they know they're not going to be far behind. And we see everything all this upheaval. Well, let not your hearts be troubled, but stay with your nose to the spiritual grindstone. Continue to move forward in Jesus Christ and who he has called you to be and what he has called you to do. And so what Philip wanted here was a physical manifestation of God, such as in Isaiah chapter six, when Isaiah saw him seated upon the throne. But really what is the visible manifestation of the Father? Again, it's just simply his glory. Now, if you want a physical revelation of him, now we see him in Jesus Christ. He has been revealed in Christ and now we're able to comprehend truly what divine love is. We're able to truly comprehend what divine grace is. We're able to define we're able to define God as we see jesus christ defined both through experience and through word experiences that are validated by the word of god and again it's beyond comprehension I, I i wrote devotion today as we're going through exodus i post a daily devotion and i was uh talking about the tabernacle over at uh exodus chapter 24 and 25 and again the tabernacle it was covered with badger skins and all and you can imagine as it's out there in the desert, you hear about this God who's delivered millions of people from Egypt, and you would go and you would see this thing because you would want to see this God, and that's the dwelling place they made for him? And you'd be think, or you would think that they would think, they don't think much of their God, just this kind of little tent out here in the middle of the wilderness. But the fact of the matter is, again, you, you never will see the beauty until you enter in. And you'll never see the beauty of Jesus Christ until you enter in. Not just a relationship with Him, and you will get a view of His beauty there, but also until you enter in with the totality of who you are, and and, and just com- completely submit yourself to Him as the Lord of your life, and it's then that you see reality of the beauty of Christ as you see him moving in your life. Paul went up to paradise. And seemingly, it was Paul. He he spoke in the third person, but in Second Corinthians twelve four. It says, now he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it was not lawful for a man to utter. He just, I've been there. I've been in the presence of God and I can't even explain it to you. I would do a disservice, he is saying, to try and even explain it to you. But the thing about it is, you guys are probably not going to go to heaven and come back such as Paul did. Now, I pray that you all end up going to heaven, but not as Paul did, but we have enough. We have what is sufficient for our day. And again, we have to be all in in that. And so he's looked at Jesus, but he hasn't really seen Jesus. He's asking Jesus what same thing that the Pharisees and the Sadducees have been asking. They're looking for this big, huge, supernatural revelation of God, which in actuality they have in Christ. But when they look at Christ, what are they seeing? They're just seeing a common man. I know my mother. She, I don't think she can even still wrap her mind around me being a pastor because I'm her snot nosed kid. You know, just, you know, prophet is never accepted in his own city. Um, but here we have this. Meant, well, we've been as we look at him, we look at God. That that had to be a hard thing to wrap their minds around because again, we're always looking for the the miraculous. We're always looking for the bells and the whistles. But the problem in our Christian lives, if you're always looking for that, which is it, it, it is over the top, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the subtlety of the beauty of the Lord. Back in First Kings, in chapter 19, God's given Elijah a lesson. Elijah did just see the supernatural as he had this confrontation with the prophets of Baal, and God did some pretty amazing things. But then after that, there's always that letdown that letdown time, and I really believe what God is doing, he's teaching him a lesson to be mindful of the reality of God in his everyday life. And in First Kings chapter 19 and verse 11, it says, Then he said, an angel of the Lord, more than likely the Lord Jesus Christ, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains, and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And so he he did, this isn't how he's revealing himself to, to Elijah. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And so many times we can overlook what God wants to do, or maybe something God is doing, because we're looking for the earthquakes, we're looking for the big winds, we're looking for the huge thing, when the reality of what God is doing or how he's answering or whatever it might be is simply right before us. Verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice, a delicate whisper. And that's what the Lord was in. And the Lord's in the delicate whisper. The Lord's in that which we can so easily overlook as we come to a Bible study in John chapter 14, and I've heard John John chapter 14 uh, taught before, and I've even studied John 14, maybe in a small group. Be open to hearing that soft voice of the Lord, that quiet whisper of the Lord. Because every time the word of God is open, God wants to whisper something in your ear that's going to have a profound effect upon your life. Maybe it's going to be just for that moment, that situation or circumstance that you're in, or he's going to be preparing you for something in the future. But don't, don't overlook what God has to say or what God is doing. Don't overlook it by looking for the theatrical. Just look at it, seeing, and desiring to hear. I don't know if you can see the whisper of God, but desiring to hear the whisper of the Lord. It's through that that God speaks volume. Back in John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus' reply to Philip is, Philip, I've been with you for three years. You've seen so much of me, but you know so little about me. There was my wife. I saw her before we had met we both worked as i pointed out before at jc Penney's. but just looks enough and i thought she was a very pretty woman looks enough isn't enough and for those times so we had to, that time that we had to take to get to know one another so i knew really who she was because after 35 years of marriage if it's only built upon the superficial well you're not going to make it to 35 years that's for sure But once you, yeah, there was the outward attraction, but there was the inward attraction. And it's because of the inward attraction that I can still look at her today, 35 years later, and say, she's beautiful. She can look at me and say, man, isn't he cute? And I look in the mirror, and I know that ain't true, but I understand you know, how how God fuses husband and wife together. And it's not just through the external. It's the totality of who she is. And that's what Jesus is saying here, Philip. Through everything that you've seen and experienced, you should know the totality of who I am. Because again, that's exactly what John is doing to prove his thesis at the beginning of the gospel, that Jesus Christ is God, and he's going through all of those proofs, those Old Testament proofs. It said I was going to be here, and and here I am. It said, the Old Testament said I was going to do these things, and I'm doing these things. And again, he's just got this awesome reality sitting before him. But he's sitting there. He's looking for, the, he's looking for the, that which is overwhelming. He's looking for the theatrics when there's just that whisper of a man that is before him. But it's that whisper of the man that it's about to change the world. It's about to change all the course of humanity. And again, that's how God moves. And the confidence that you should have in that is that God is mindful of you. But not only is he going to minister to you, don't take it just as receiving, understanding. A lot of this is for the purpose of giving. Because Philip was nobody. The apostles were nobody. Matter of fact, cover to cover, man is nobody. And, but God uses just the whisper of a people. And we all live just a whisper of a life. Or as you look at it, we look at it, and our study on Sunday night in Ecclesiastes, vapor of the life. But God will use that in amazing and God will use that in profound ways. And because of that, my heart ought not to be troubled because I've got an opportunity to be used in great ways in the lives of others that, yeah, through the course of history is just going to be but a whisper, but that's worth it. That should be enough. And so verse 9 can be confusing because plenty of people physically saw Jesus during his time here on earth but did not see God. People heard him and followed him and did not necessarily see God. We saw in John chapter 6, verse 65 and 66, and he said, Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it had been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Only a small amount of people really saw Jesus for whom he is. So what does it mean to see Jesus? That's the operative operative term here. We must say, have we truly seen Jesus? How do you see Jesus? How do we see Jesus today? Well, the the, the easy term is through the word, but it's even in the word that I've got to truly see Christ. And so let's turn over to John chapter 20, because there are three Greek words for the word see. In John chapter 20, all three words are presented here. And so we've got a picture of what it means to see the Lord. In this particular case, it's truly to see the Lord for who he is as well. And so Mary came, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, and the tomb was empty. She ran back and told Peter and John that the tomb was empty. It says in verse 3 of John chapter 20, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looked in, there's the first term, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, is the second usage. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw... And he believed, that's the third reference to saw, all three different Greek words. And so the first occurrence, again in verse five, and he's stooping down and looking in, saw, this is the apostle John, saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. That's the Greek word, belepo. That's just simply the physical act of seeing. Think of how many people saw the Lord Jesus Christ while he walked here on earth. Think of how many people you've seen today, but you saw them without really seeing as Jesus Christ walked through Jerusalem or whatever. Plenty of people saw them. They probably didn't take notice of them, though. How many people did you see today? You probably saw thousands without really looking at them, without really taking note. Well, just means it's, it, it's really the act of light reflecting off the retina of your eye. It's just seeing, but it's definitely not comprehending. And then verses six, then... Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lie in there. This term is the, the arrow. The arrow is where we get the word theory from. Peter's going a little bit deeper. Just kind of stuck in there. Peter's going in there. What Peter is doing is he's making an examination. He sees the cloths as if they had collapsed around where a body had been. He saw the handkerchief. It had not been thrown out, but it had been neatly folded. And now he's going through, and just as a, a detective would do, he's examining the clues. It says, Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then John, John, this is the, the Greek word Adon, John in verse 8, he now sees to a greater degree. He's not just looking in there. Now he truly sees what has happened. Verse 8, Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw... Now what did he do? And he believed. He comes to this understanding that he's risen from the dead. He, he said he was going to do it, and he's done it. See, It seems like for the very first time, this is really clicked with somebody. John has taken all the evidence and put it together, and now he sees the reality of the truth. This is the truly see with understanding concerning what has happened. Well, back in John chapter 14, verse 9, this is the word that is being used that you would see and have understanding. Here, Philip, you've been with me for three years. You have seen the miracles You've seen the fulfillment of the scriptures. You should have known me and you should have realized that if you have seen me, that you truly are seeing the Father. Again, verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen, or he has seen and understood and comprehend me, has seen and understood and comprehended the Father also. So how can you say, show me the Father? And what Jesus is saying is, you've seen it all. It's all been displayed to you. And it's all been displayed to all of humanity. That all humanity can come and partake of it and see and have the same result that John had to come to the the, the place of belief. Seeing is not believing, but believing is coming to full understanding. And so God wants us to examine what we are asked to believe. He gave us this brain to comprehend to know and to understand to do the examination my wife and i are different people my wife when she came to christ came to christ pretty quickly for me i had to see i had to examine everything once i examined everything i was all in but i had to come to that place of examining it wasn't that she was more spiritual than i or i more spiritual than her it wasn't anything to do with any of that it was god meeting two different people where they are at. Again, I had to make sure that if I was going to be all in, I had to be all in. And so what God desires that we do would truly be see, that we would see him, that we would consider the gospel, that we would make an intelligent decision. That's why we use for children's ministry the answer in Genesis curriculum. They're right now, they're studying about the flood. Was it really a worldwide flood? Well, if you would look and you would see, you would see the evidence that exists even today. And we're encouraging our kids to see because what is the world telling them to do? They're telling them to believe without really seeing. They're just the physical act of seeing, you know, based upon what they're telling. But we want our kids to go further than that. See, if really what we have is truth, truth should be taken apart. It should be dissected. It should be digested. It, it, it should be thoroughly examined, and if this is truly truth, it will stand that test. Well, what have people been doing for the past 2,000-plus years? They've been tearing this apart, they've been challenging it, and they've yet to be able to refute it. And so as this has the test of time, it demands my attention. It demands that I see what is here come to a decision, And for all of us who are born again believers, we've done just that. And just as surely as John poked his head into that place and he believed based upon what he honestly saw, as we look upon Christ, we should see as well. And as we see the Lord, we see the Father. Verse 10 Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works himself. Two ways to really understand the Lord, and that's what we have today. We've got the words, and we've got the works. We've got the word of God that changes the souls of men. That word of God, it's that which altered your life, It's the Word of God that is able to alter another. Think about it. How did you become born again? Somebody came and somebody shared the Word of God with you. And it was that powerful, living Word of God that penetrated your soul and caused the change to come about to such a degree that you should be able to look at your life and look at at least the timeline when you were saved. And so that same powerful Word, it changed your life. And what does it produce? We call it producing fruit or producing works because I've heard the word, I've been saved, and now I follow through and I serve the Lord based upon his calling in my life. Now, as those two things were powerful in your life, don't you think they would be powerful enough for the life of another? Now, you have somebody who's unsaved, you have your children, you have who, whatever it might be, just as surely as that word was sufficient for my life, that word would be sufficient for their life. And so we need to see the truthfulness in that and the reality of that. We need to embrace it. And most of all, we need to do it. John will later on say in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ or Jesus is the Messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name don't go looking at the earthquakes and the tornadoes and all the big things and we see the big things that are on the big screen on tv and these crusades and all of this i'm not saying all crusades are bad but you know we've got the heretics that are out there and they're all built upon these huge things it's the soft whisper of god and find contentment in being a soft whisper of god but be a soft whisper of God because it's in that whisper that God does such amazing things. Father, once again, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your graciousness that saved us and that Lord keeps us, especially during t- trying times such as this. But I pray, Father, that we would see just as surely as somebody entered into our lives and spoke your word, that, Father, we must go out we must do those works as well. It's the proof of a changed life. Work those works and see what, Lord, you will do in the life of somebody else. And so fill us with your spirit. Give us understanding. Give us wisdom. But give us, Lord, the true knowledge of the reality of the truthfulness of your word, that, Father, we would be a people who are truly bold. So, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. I pray, Father, for those who have come out tonight, that you would bless them. I pray that you would go before them. I pray, Father, that this church, Lord, would be used in a mighty way, both here in Ontario and anywhere else, Father, that you desire to use us to reach towards. We just lift all to you, thanking you once again for this time in your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you all stand, please? Well, as Sean said, we have nine spaces left for the woman's retreat. So, ladies, you need to get signed up for the woman's retreat. I'm going to keep harassing about you about it until the beginning of March. And also, the couple's... Uh, a couple studies on the 18th of february we're having prime rib guys we have i think 30 people well, uh, 16 couples that are signed up for it so i encourage you or you can come and you can help serve as well we do need help serving that night also Other, we'll be back in titus on sunday morning and sunday night we're going to have service we're going to be in the book of ecclesiastes god bless you guys